Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. In this episode, we bring you world champion kickboxer Carly Gangel. The Daily Combat Podcast is brought to you as always by Olympic hopeful turned boxer and all-round sporting polymath Isabella Rossitano, arm wrestling influencer Hollywood Matt Connolly, and combat sports ring announcer Dave Stockbridge. This episode would not be possible without the support of our sponsors, and this week we would like to highlight Carly Gangel's very own fighting promotion, Pride Fight Series. Pride Fight Series provides South Australian combat sports athletes with greater fight opportunities under the prestigious Muay Thai Australia and World Muay Thai Council. With a professional approach to promotion and hospitality, the show prides itself on developing and supporting the growth of South Australian Muay Thai athletes. For more information about Pride Fight Series, you can go to their website at pridefightseries.com.au. And now, join Izzy, Matt and Dave as we welcome world champion kickboxer Carly Gangel. World champion, I like to say that because it's <laughs> the world champion, white tie fighter, Carly Angel, real estate mogul. <laughs> I'm going to drop that in every time. Ring announcer, Dave Stockbridge. And Patty, who's fighting this weekend, Saturday night, she's got a uh, main card, uh, the co main event. So we're looking forward to seeing that and on the 19 fight card event. The, Extravaganza, I think, is in written underneath. Um, it's quite quite serious. Muay Thai festival. So you're going to be announcing at the event. You're you're doing the role of man in the middle with the microphone. At yeah, that's right. Absolutely. So um, I, I'm, you're not allowed to say, "Let's get ready to rumble." Like that. That, that is copywritten. That is trademark. So you know you can't run out. The, as much really? as you, as much as you want to, as much as it may be your childhood dream. Uh, wow! Sorry, my childhood. Dream. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm completely unable to do that. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, isn't that, isn't that interesting? Yeah, I didn't know yeah. it was trademarked. But yeah. did you say, well, well, let's get ready to something else. Let's get ready to kickbox or something. It's actually a really interesting story. So, uh, uh, Bruce Buffer, you know Bruce Buffer yep. from the UFC, and Michael Buffer, the famous ring announcer, um, are brothers. Mm. Um, strangely enough, well, they had no idea. Mm. Now, this is the weird thing. They both had the same job, same last names, <laughs> and had no idea that they were siblings. Um, they were raised separately, and uh, there's there's some time in between, I think 15 or 20 years between the two as well. And so um, when they both discovered this, they, and at that time, by the way, uh, Michael Buffer was a legend of the industry and had been ring announcing for years, and Bruce Buffer was kind of following in his brother's footsteps without really knowing uh, that it was his brother, but very definitely following in the footsteps. And they ended up w somehow worked all of this out, and um, Bruce Buffer ended up becoming a manager for Michael Buffer and helped him trademark Let's Get Ready to Rumble. Wow. Now, that's used in... Uh, games, uh, movies, every time you hear that, he's getting paid for Let's Get Ready to Rumble. Wow. So, And that is now the major source of his income. So, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. 
So, uh, so how's that for a bit of a cool yeah. uh, ring announcer story? You'd have to think that they would re- have realised a lot earlier that they were somehow related. Michael Buffer, yeah, ring announcer, <laughs> Bruce Buffer, ring announcer. <laughs> I wonder hmm. if there's... Oh, no, nah, definitely not. No, nah, nah, no possibility at all. Like, mum, oh, mum. Yeah, it's like, oh, they're brothers. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how mum was keeping the secret. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't know how... Yeah, yeah, but it, it's just one of those uh, really kind of weird little stories. That it, you, it is. Yeah. It's funny, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it was funny. It's like watching the UFC's rise, you know, um, in, and sort of boxing's, not demise, but like, I don't want to say fall from grace. Fade. Yeah, but not as prevalent as yeah. it was, once yeah. was. And you had Michael Buffer at the absolute pinnacle of, you know, boxing. You know, the mm. big pay-per-view cards. Uh, and then it was like Bruce Buffer was doing the UFC stuff. And um, it was like, you know, you could almost say, oh, it was the budget version of Michael Buffer. He's Bruce Buffer, you know. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> because when he would come out, it's like, oh, Br- Bruce Buffer, who's this? Is this, why is this? Oh, it's just like, okay. Uh-huh. And then, but then he's, you know, the UFC really took off and became like the, the, you know, the yeah. big thing. And it's like, oh, now Bruce is at the top. And then Michael, I think, has he retired now? No, no, no. He was, uh, he was re-announcing just this weekend oh. uh, at the... Um, uh, Anthony Joshua oh, fight, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's there, he's still very, very active there in Las Vegas. Did he say, "Let's get ready to"? Run? Oh, he d- uh, d- yes, he did. As a matter of fact, <laughs> so, uh, surprisingly, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he says it a lot. Yeah, well, just, yeah, yeah, just in conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's not really on his t-shirt. It's just saying, "Let's get ready to run." Yeah. <laughs> when you talk to me. <laughs> so, were you a fan of um, fighting fighting sports before you got into doing Muay Thai yourself? <laughs> Not at all. I hate them. Nah, but I've never I watched them. <laughs> I really watched it. I um I only got into it because the job that I do, I was talking to a client who did it, and I was like, oh, I want to try that out. But before that, I never really watched any UFC. I didn't watch any boxing. I didn't know, and I didn't really know what it was until I went to a local fight, and then I started watching more on, I guess, on TV. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's what that is. Did you go into? You stepped for first time was at Wars. Yes. Oh, yep, great. First time, and I just didn't go anywhere else. It's what, such a good was family the first, there. Yeah, <laughs> was the first lesson like, or how did it work? Like, um, we have like a trial session first, so like they take you out the back and they teach you, I guess, the basics of how to throw a punch and a kick, and they're all just so friendly. And then right. pretty much just introduce you to the class, and you just get started. That yeah, was it was good. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then it became, hey, we've got a fight car coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's falling out. <laughs> you want to step in? Now's yeah. your time to shine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Know those sure. basics you learned? Yeah, it's time to put them into practice. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh, that's it. Was the, but the first fight that came up, did you were you planning on having a fight, or was it like the, just the, the opportunity? To sort yeah, of yeah. I'd asked about a year before. Okay. I asked. Um, I said that I wanted to look at fighting. So what do I need to do to get there? And then I trained for a year under, I guess, the fight team. And then I think it was about a year later, around Christmas time, Carly said, oh, "Look, I've nominated you for a fight in March. You got three months if you want to take it." And I was like. Yes, like, <laughs> hell yeah, jump onto it, like, get cool. going. Yeah. And, and how did your training change in that 12 months? It, it Was it uh, increase the frequency? Yeah, or yep, definitely. Yeah. So I think I only started, when I first started, I was only doing once a week for a year. I was only doing, like, again, just to meet some people and make some friends and get the fitness level. And then when I decided I wanted to do it, they told me what I had to do. And that was pretty much just training pretty much, I'd say, five times a week. And I'd have to start running and all the rest of it and take it a little bit more seriously and you know you have to be at training if you're not going to show up then you're not committed and they're not going to obviously you know give you the opportunity because it's a big honor to have a fight so yeah. if you're not going to show them that that's what you want to do then they're not going to give it to you so 
it was definitely a bit more of a commitment and and, and yeah. were you a very disciplined person before just naturally yeah, I'd, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. I, I really, really love routine. So oh, really? <laughs> I was yeah. more than happy to start doing my usual training sessions every day, my runs before, like all the rest of it. Like routine for me is, is good. And, and what <laughs> does your daily routine look like now as you uh, approach this fight on Saturday? Oh, um, it, it's, it's a lot of early mornings and running before training. So waking up early and then I train and then I work full time and then I'll train in the afternoon. So early, early for summer is 9.30. I'm guessing that's when you're early. <laughs> well, I normally wake up about 4.45. Is this Carly making you do this? <laughs> <laughs> well, i got, I got to get in a run before class. So I normally get in, do do a small, like maybe 4, 4K run in the morning and then train for an hour before work. So I normally finish up about 7 o'clock so I can go home and get ready for the usual 9 to 5. Yeah. And and uh, what do you do by way of normal work, if you're comfortable in saying? Uh, I'm a hairdresser. Okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it, and on your feet all day yep. as well. So, like, and, and quite tiring, I, I would yeah, imagine, standing yeah. there as I well. I <laughs> take a, my recovery very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Got to do my rolling, stretching, massages, all the rest of it. Because you're on your feet all day and you, you're using your arms and your back can get quite tight. And Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you've got a cushy job where you yeah. get to sit around in an office, nice air conditioned yeah, for the rest would of the day. Be nice, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. And and then you you're, you're finishing up work. You're, you're getting home, presumably yeah. uh, training in the evening time as well. Yeah, yeah. So I it's normally pretty balanced out. Like I either train morning or I'll train night. Some some days I'll do both, but not not often unless I'm in fight prep and I got to do more trainings to make up for things and whatnot but yep. it's either I wake up early train in the morning and get that night off or I'll train in the evening and I might have to go for a run in the morning just to make up for it but and, yeah and is this a regime that you would, uh, had adopted is this something that you've you've shared with pennies in in terms of getting prepared this is a routine that's worked well for you yeah so every fighter's schedule is different um, obviously everyone has very different jobs some are extremely physical so they might need a little bit more rest um, so yeah each fighter has their own individual schedule there are specific training sessions that they all have to make so for example Friday night sparring that's a fight team thing so they need to make that session but um, in terms of mornings, you know, some of the fighters might start work at 7am so it's not realistic for them to be up at 4am training and I respect that, you know, they, they need to make a living so I wouldn't expect expect them to train in the morning. So um, we work closely with the fighters to work out their schedule um, and what's going to work for them, make sure they're doing enough but that they've also got enough time to rest and recover, you know. So that's why I try not to have them training morning and night every single day you know I might give them a morning session or it might be a night session and then on a couple of days a week they'll they'll smash out both but mm. um, I always also try to play it by ear a lot as well you know if someone's looking fatigued and like they're about to burn out give them a couple of days off give them that session off give them a few less pad rounds you know because we live in a world where everything's busy and people have to work hard so mm. not everyone has the luxurious lifestyle of being a full-time athlete so you've got to work you know, take that into account when you are training these fighters. Absolutely. And combat sports uh, um, is still kind of in that space at the moment, much like even mainstream sports like football was 20 or 30 years ago where it's semi-professional, uh, mostly amateur, people are dedicating mostly their own time and, and often coming up with the money to travel and, and, and the like to um, to partake in the sport. Um, do you do you feel like there's a, a future in the not-too-distant um uh, future uh, <laughs> that um, uh, where 
kickboxing can become a professional sport for for somebody who's getting started and and uh, can look forward to that being a career. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, it's on the rise in Australia, but it's still got a long way to go. So I would never uh, tell a fighter to give up everything to become a fighter. I mean, I was very fortunate that I was able to build up sponsors that helped me live, I guess, and and living and working with a family that's in the gym made it very easy for me to adopt that full-time athlete uh, lifestyle. But, you know, I grew up in that. So um, I recognise that I was very fortunate to be able to do that. But for a regular person that has a nine-to-five job or, you know, has a trade or something like that, it I wouldn't say in the very near future that it's possible, not in Muay Thai anyway. In, in, in MMA it might be completely different. But I know even... South Australia's biggest MMA stars or even Australia-wide, mm. you know, they, they do have a job and yeah. they, they do need that income because there's not a lot going on. So, yeah. yeah. With, uh, in Muay Thai, uh, sorry, in Thailand as well, like the fighters there are getting paid like a pittance really. Of, you know, it's like at the upper levels it might be 300 bucks or something at, at like they're almost champion levels. Um, I remember John Wayne Parr was saying it's <laughs> – on the, you know, he was living there full time for a few years, and you know, I think with the gym that he was training at, he was fighting uh, maybe twice a week, and it was like just enough to sort of pay for his food and lodgings. It was like, yeah, it's not a lot of money in that side of it over there, anyway. But mm. um, obviously, you've got the other avenues, like you've set up with your own gym, and you know, you've got your promotions, and you've got you know, putting on the events and that sort of a side of it but in terms of just the athlete side of it competing and being a world champion you might still have to have your day job on the side which is you know but as you said it is getting to that point maybe five years ten years where it's like okay now you can if you get to this level then you're a a professional athlete that can do that full time and so good to be able to see the sport get to that level yeah it would be amazing i mean obviously everyone knows one championship which is probably the biggest avenue for muay thai at the moment um even the australian fighters that are all signed to that they all hold down a full-time job um just to afford it like the pay is is high we would call it high but it's still not high enough to live off of so um, yeah, having a, having a job that you can be flexible with and fight train is really important because I think it, it is a long way off mm. being able to do that and realistically how much Muay Thai fighters will fight, you know. Like when I was pro and I was contracted, a maximum I would fight would be four times a year. So it's, yep. it's not a whole lot, you know. You've got a lot of recovery and prep in between that. Um, it's, it's not like footballers, you know, where they're playing every week. So um, And also, you know, the revenue stream – you have to ask where is that coming from? You know, one championship being the biggest promotions, they've got a lot of big sponsors um, and whatnot, but there's still not a lot of money coming in like something like AFL. So um, big steps to take before we get to the point where athletes can just live off of being a combat sports athlete, I think. Yeah, is there, is there a tipping point or is there, are there, is there a number or is there is there a do you see a, a line in the sand where that is possible? Like, is there is because I mean, you've got a thousand people, you, and there's a whole lot more that could, if if they were able to, uh, who are going to be there on Saturday night. I, I don't know of too many sporting events that would easily pull in over a thousand people. Um, so I mean, th- there's obviously a huge audience for it and a lot of attention on the sport, and with young talent coming into the sport as well. So it seems to have everything going for it at the moment. 
Yeah, if I'm being completely honest, I think it's because of the regularity of it. So if you look at how many fight shows we have in South Australia a year, yeah. it's not many. So mm. that all those you know couple of thousands of people, they'll rally around that event because it might happen once every six months. You know, like it's not, you know, football games there every single week. And, you know, so a local game might get, say, 500 people there. So... Mm. Um, I think if fight shows became more regular, perhaps the crowds might be a little bit smaller even. Right. Um, but because, you know, they don't happen that often, people go, all right, I'm going to book that weekend off. We're going to that. So I think that's probably got a bit to do with it as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a danger of oversaturating the market with it as well. I mean, that's, um, you know, I always liken everything to the UFC only because yeah. I've watched it for years, a big fan. Um, but it used to be when it first started – that you know, you'd get one maybe every four months, every yeah. five months, and I, I would know every fighter on the card and what was going to happen, and you know who was fighting who in their history and everything else. But and you still went for Tito. I did. <laughs> <laughs> he was winning back then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll forget about his loss to Edson Silva. But yeah, it was like a big event, and I remember my friends would be like, "We need to like when's the next card? This is the date." okay, it's going to be Sunday here in Australia because it's Saturday night in America. And we'd all sort of plan a get-together for Sunday afternoon. We'd go around someone's house and pay for it to be 50 people there. And, and you'd be handing out the fight cards to everybody <laughs> and you'd all be gathered around. It was like a big event. Um, and then because the, now there is fights every single weekend and they've got the Ultimate Fighter show, they've got you know, this other thing, Dana White's Contender Series, something else on YouTube, something else, and it's like, I can't watch it all. Like, it's too much stuff. And I just sort of stepped back. Um, and there was a fight card yesterday, which I still haven't watched yet, and it's mm. like, you know, I'll probably only watch the, the main two fights on it because I just don't have time to watch, you know, three, three and a half hours of, of fights um, on one card that might be the one of three cards that week. So, yeah. Yeah, well, it, well, it really is interesting that when you've, you've got the UFC there and you've got such a, a big card and so regularly and that you've only got really mind space or, or, or attention or care for maybe the first two or three but then Evander Holyfield steps in the ring and all of a sudden you can drop everything and you've got attention. So we, we were talking a little bit off air how uh, people are you know, transferring their skill set from Muay Thai over to conventional boxing and, and you're seeing a lot more crossover and more recently MMA fighters find themselves into the boxing ring. It, it might have mentioned that might be because that's a little bit easier on the body if you've been practising Muay Thai for, for some period of time and then find yourself into the boxing ring. Yeah, in my opinion. So yeah. I've been doing, dabbling in a little bit of boxing lately yeah. and it's uh, despite the head, the head continuous head hits, it, it is a lot. It's a bit nicer on the body. It's a bit nicer on the body than copping a sharp Let's knee to the ribs. Or, yeah. And also the legs, you know, like mm. your legs cop an absolute bashing in Muay Thai so, and, and MMA. So, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people are crossing over, particularly through this COVID period, because they're like, okay, what shows are coming up? Mm. What sport is consistently running right now? So yeah. for a lot of people um, in South Australia, the box, Boxing SA have done a brilliant job at keeping their fights going. They've done it without a crowd. Obviously, being government-funded and, and having a lot of volunteers and local support, they've been able to do that and not financially fall in a bit of a hole. Mm. Um, 
that has made a few MMA athletes and a lot of Muay Thai people go, you know what, let's dabble in a bit of boxing because it, it's running right now, yeah. um, which is fantastic. You know, I'm all for it. Like if you enjoy one combat sport, you're probably going to love another combat sport. So I think that crossover is happening because Boxing SA have done a great job at keeping their events afloat. Yeah. yeah. Say, um, that uh, you have a certain skill that you, when you step in the ring that it's like this you know I, my uppercut is awesome or my right cross or you know there's a certain attribute i know carly has the front kick that if you watch any <laughs> of her fights <laughs> that kick will go through somebody's face <laughs> 30 seconds of the fight um, but <laughs> was there a certain skill that you've like this is my thing i'm i'm very talented at this thing a lot of people at the gym probably Say my body shots are, oh, yeah. <laughs> are a bit painful to, to get. Ah. Yeah, I've copped a few myself. <laughs> Even through the belly pad holding pads, I'm like, oh, for such a little girl, <laughs> you can hit real hard. Yeah, she nails them. Awesome. Well, so you're trying to set that up, get inside, land that yeah. body shot, take them down, <laughs> chop them down, go yeah. for the liver. Take the legs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I can reach. Right. Whatever I can reach. Whatever I can reach. <laughs> <laughs> go for the knee. <laughs> um, have you seen uh, a, a progression in different techniques of Muay Thai where a certain style will become dominant or a certain move will suddenly have a life and then it sort of people figure out the counter to it and then something else becomes a new thing. So You're, you're thinking calf kicks. Yes. I yeah. knew that was going How did I know that's <laughs> oh, I where it was yeah. going? Yeah, the absolutely. Old, the old calf kick. Oh, that's, yeah, for sure. That's always been a thing. And then suddenly one fighter in the UFC pulls it off and yeah. uh, it's back. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. I like to think that's how it is with the, the teep, the front kick. You know, so yeah. many people don't utilise that. <laughs> and I always... So you're trying to bring it back. Right? I've, <laughs> look, I've tried. i tried all my fighters. Fighters can tape really, really well because people don't use it enough. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna say that's a club trade. Is <laughs> <laughs> the push <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Watch, watch our fighters. I did see one, one of your fights came up on my YouTube thing the other day, and I was like, oh, I'll have a look. And then I think within a minute, you'd throw like ten of those. <laughs> 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 like, there it is. <laughs> but yeah, effective as. So, you know. Yeah, but I do find like if there's a massive fight on one or in the UFC and someone's pulled something epic off, you will find people coming into the gym and wanting to <laughs> wanting to try it out or they're, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that, you know. People come in asking about flying knees. Yeah, <laughs> flying knees, sweeps, takedowns, you name it. If they see it, they're like, oh, yeah, did you see this new move? I'm like, this move's been around for, oh, wow. Are, are you <laughs> allowed to flying knee in Muay Thai? Yeah, you okay. can throw a flying knee, yeah, that's oh, cool. fine. <laughs> yeah. T- takedowns not so much obviously right. in our sport but we can sweep and yeah. do the older uh, flying knee a few spinning things but <laughs> uh, and calf kicks are not as prevalent prevalent anymore with Muay Thai or it's, it's still there but not as sort of like it's not the new the new thing it's it's, like it's not a, it's not a new thing <laughs> at all but obviously the the stance in MMA and Muay Thai are completely different yeah. so in Muay Thai we wouldn't throw that as much because our foot is turned out more so it's a lot easier to check or move from that calf kick so um yeah not as not as popular in muay thai but it's definitely used mm. oh it's yeah it seems to be a devastating uh 
technique, you know. Well, well, I know. It's like, yeah, <laughs> Matt wants to give it a go. <laughs> no, Matt I don't want to. Okay, both of you stand up after the fight and you can throw your calf kick. <laughs> oh, you or fight number 20 on Pride oh, Fight hey, Series. Oh, now the ring announcer is going. <laughs> 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 Just going from a four day event to seven. <laughs> it wouldn't last that long. I think we would be, have two gas in the corner. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, uh, it's like, uh, everyone's gone home yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so starting at five o'clock, your event. Um, <laughs> what time are you thinking it's going to finish? <laughs> so we're actually starting at five thirty. Oh, <laughs> uh, no! So one thing I do pride myself on oh, at Pride wow. is uh, a very tight schedule. So my team are very organised, and they make sure all the fighters are very organised out back. Um, so we'll run like clockwork, and we will be done by probably. Quarter to eleven, I think. Which, wow. given the size of the card, is a that's pretty that's pretty massive, good finish. Yeah. yeah, but like I said, if I can understand if they're all heavyweight fights and they're all just tanked after like a minute thirty, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> There's seven rings at the same time. Yeah, you mentioned that. <laughs> no, <too>. that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, but given uh, obviously allowing. Uh, a little bit of time if something was to go wrong in the ring. Um, that accounts for that. But also considering that knockouts and TKOs happen, you know, doctors might call fights, you know, so that will cut the, the time down as well. But um, everything at Pride is done to the minute. So if I say we're starting at 5.30, they will be walking out to the ring at that exact time because it has to, you know, like not just for the um, for the crowd's sake who are sitting around but also for the fighters, you know. So we're sticking to a schedule. They know when they have to be ready and it also makes it a lot easier for my staff that are, you know, if everyone's getting it all going, then yeah. So if you have um, a fight that ends by knockout uh, and so it was planned to be, let's say, three two-minute rounds, mm-hmm. um, and you have a you know, minute break in between. You've got your fighter walkouts, fighter introductions. Yep. Um, so you'd sort of allocate, what, 25 minutes, maybe half an hour for that actual fight. Mm-hmm. They start, it's over in 15 seconds. Do you still wait that amount of time before you start the next fight, or are you like, oh, we can do the next one, let's go straight away? We go straight away. So um, the staff out the back, uh, when the fight or you walks out, you are also ready to go. So if there's a oh. knockout in 30 seconds, you're well aware that you are ready to go. So, um, yeah, and I just pretty much explain that to the trainers and fighters at the weigh-in, you know, but the fight before you, as soon as that walks out, you need to be ready to go within sort of if we give you a 90-second to two-minute mark you know you're ready to walk out and every everyone's usually really good trainers appreciate the organization you know rather than being like oh we've got another 10 minutes like you know the staff are are really good at making sure everyone's ready to go so unlike um, boxing around the country which is largely government funded and uh, of course they've got the sponsors and everything like that you're truly independent in running this organization and putting on a big night like this Run us through some of the numbers. So you're expecting over a thousand people, or a thousand people thereabouts. You've got a, a huge stadium there. Um, how many? So you've got uh, 19 fights, uh, presumably 38 fighters. Mm-hmm. Do you like my maths? Yeah, um, I wouldn't have <laughs> that out. <laughs> one ring announcement. One, one ring. Most important job. I've got one ring announcement. Back up. You never know. Um, and um, uh, and you. It's so. It, it's a it's a huge undertaking, and uh, you, you're mentioning you've obviously you've got a team there that helped the night run smoothly. How, how many people have you got there assisting you on the night? 
Uh, so excluding, you know, trainers mm. from my gym as well, uh, just staff and volunteers, there's probably 40 to 50 of us um, wow. yeah, that, are, that are working around the clock to make sure everything's done smoothly. And um, I like to think that I'm probably one of the world's most organised people. So <laughs> you name it, I've got people that go around and check rubbish. I've got one person that checks the toilets for toilet paper. Like mm. there are things about this event that you that can't... That was my job. <laughs> oh, <that was laughs> yeah. yeah, you've been upgraded. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I said, upgraded. I've got a velvet jacket she went well we've got another job for you yeah, yeah so there, there are a lot of things that come together to put put on the event and like you said obviously being independent it's uh it, it makes it a little bit harder i've got to get all my own contractors in and you know make sure that every job is accounted for on the night because if one thing isn't looked after obviously it can go pear-shaped quite quickly so yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a lot to organise. The checklist is huge. <laughs> and what what do you – do you give yourself a title? Are you managing director or are you your general manager? Supreme man- commander. Supreme commander. Oh, <laughs> do you know what? I am going to use that. Yes. Supreme that's commander. That's my new one. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a big portrait of you as you enter now. Just exactly. that supreme commander. Yeah, I'm definitely going to use that. Perfect. Stand by. I'll put that in my Insta bio, actually. <laughs> you get your run sheet for the day. It will say that at the top. Probably going to Supreme Commander. Uh, if yes. you have any issues, call, talk to your Supreme Commander. Yes, I think yeah, I like that. Well, no, officially, um, I'm the promoter of Pride Fight Series. So, yep. But yeah, I like that better. Hey, so, so we're going to yeah, roll with that. I'm changing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what, what was your fighter nickname? Uh, cupcake. Cupcake. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. Cupcake. Oh, yes. uh, where did that come from? Uh, that came from my love of sweets. Oh. Yes, I have the biggest sweet tooth ever, and especially I love cupcakes. Oh. I love them. Like, they're so pretty and they're so delicious. <laughs> and then so every fight I would uh, I would have something, cupcakes, whether it was on my crop top, my shorts, my underwear, there were, there were cupcakes somewhere. <laughs> and then, yeah, it just came about. I was always in pink, and I guess I was always smiling and happy. So, you know, one day my dad just said, you're such a cupcake. And then I was like, I guess I am, <laughs> and then it just stuck. So yeah, oh, that's okay. great. What about best best moment in the ring that you've had? Did you have like a specific memory of something that happened that you're like, oh, this was awesome? Uh, I do. Yes, I fought uh, Brooke Cooper for the WMC title, uh, which was a, a big opportunity. Um, for me in my fight career and I, I won that title so that was amazing mm. and Brooke was one of the most respectful opponents I've ever had and I've loved following her career since then she's done amazing things but after I won that title she actually presented me with a box of cupcakes and I just she was so prepared and it was just the best moment ever right. and just to, to share that moment with her with my belt <laughs> and her <laughs> sore body yeah. <laughs> and then cupcakes. It was just pretty special, you know. It was a real good, uh, feel-good sportsmanship yeah. moment. So, so, so your big cool. moment wasn't in the, the moment of combat as much as the camaraderie yes. and the cupcakes afterwards. <laughs> yeah. There was a cupcake. That was the important thing. Yeah, and, uh, that, that fight was also really special because it was um, – 
a month before that, I fought in South Australia's first ever female main event, oh. which was really cool. And then the month later when I fought for that title, we were the main event again. So oh, wow. two female main events in a row that I was lucky enough to be a part of. Yep. So to have that cupcake moment <laughs> in the ring, there were so many things that just kind of aligned to make it really special. Ah. So. And, and as a promoter, like, do, it, there would have been a time where having a female main event may have been a negative. Uh, these days, obviously not. No, not at all. Um, not at all. So I remember when I used to go to fight shows, probably when I was around 12 or 13, and I watched one female fight on the card and I thought it was just incredible. But back then there were just not a lot of females competing. So to see how far it's come and for myself to be involved in those two female main events and, and to be treated as an equal, you know, I've, I've always been... You know, in the later parts of my career, I was always on the main card in the last two fights. So, um, you know, I think it has come such a long way. And now to have my own fight card where I always match the females, you know, I've got um, five or six female fights on this card coming wow. up. And, and to have one as the semi-main, like, that's so epic. Yeah. It's really cool. It is really cool. And, and, uh, and no pushback from sponsors. This is something that now is completely embraced. Oh, 100%. If yeah. anything, the sponsors get around it. You know, juniors and females in the sport, they want to see them out there, you know, doing it. So I've actually had sponsors request to, I would like to sponsor the female fights, you know. How like, cool is that? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's oh. incredible. And, you know, maybe that's the sponsors that I handpick that I – you know, that I work with because that's what I'm all about is is having a diverse card and including everyone that I can. So, yeah, um, yeah I've got some amazing sponsors that really get around the females and the juniors as well. And once Pride's um, finished this time, um, I'm going to focus on some junior development days through Pride as well, so trying to build that up and because that's probably um, our weakest point in the sport in South Australia right now is not – um, female versus male, but actually the juniors, the the up and coming generation. So that's going to be my next venture. Wow. Fantastic! And and how does that look to you? Uh, you're you're thinking development schools. You're you're thinking of going taking it to uh, to traditional school environments, or how 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 do you see uh, you being able to attract new people, young people into the sport? Um, so I'm hoping to work really closely with our Office for Rec and Sport. They have a really great team there. Yeah. Um, so making sure that we're following all the right legislation and have everything in place to run junior development weekends. Yeah. So we want to do some training camps, especially in the school holidays, where we get several trainers from different clubs with different skill sets to come in and teach these kids about, you know, all sorts of things, um, not necessarily just about Muay Thai, we might do a bit of boxing, we might do a bit of self-defence, but yeah, just trying to get more kids involved in the sport and then hopefully if I can generate enough um, interest from those junior development days, I'll put on a junior pride event where oh, it's just wow. it's just sparring, you know, it's not, it's not fighting, you know, we want to build their confidence up and, and get their interest um, drummed up ready for when they're a little bit older, you know, sort of past that 13-year-old mark is when it becomes a little bit safer for kids to to actually fight but you know yeah. if it's controlled sparring there's that's totally safe so that's going to be the goal yeah that's huge and and, and being a young athlete yourself you know, and may have missed out on that I mean how beneficial would it have been for you if you've been able to start you know kind of seven or eight instead of you know in your teens I definitely remember when I started and I heard that Carly was doing it for me she was like three <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking I was between 17 I remember telling one of the other fighters like Oh, I've missed my chance. I'm too old to fight. <laughs> and I reckon I was talking to someone who was like, 
in her 30s and just had like her first fight. And she's like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're 17 years old, like get over yourself. But I remember thinking like, oh, I've missed my chance. I should have started when I was young. <laughs> it is so important though when people, like if to put on an event like that, say it was a junior sparring, but the people that come and watch, like you said yourself, you know, you were inspired by going and seeing you from Liz Fury and then it's like, oh, that, I didn't know you could do this. This, this is a thing. Let me find out about it. So it's you, just exposure, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And just, just sort of putting on those things, you might think, well, um, you know, it, it's not that it's a proper fight, but by doing that, you're allowing juniors that might, you know, the younger brothers are older, and then they go along, and then they go, oh, this is this looks fun. Like, how do you get involved in this? Who who might not have seen it or known that this was a thing that they could be involved in otherwise? So, mm. yeah, it's really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, so Penny, you've got um, obviously big bout coming up. Um, and just a, a few days ago, are there any little rituals or things that you do for good luck or any little things that you, you know, superstitions, <laughs> any cupcakes, cupcakes you bake, anything going on? Um, oh, I, just, I definitely just do the same things over and over, but I wouldn't say there are anything superstitions. Like I just make sure that I had a ma- have my massage today just to, I guess, help me recover, and then I've just got to go through everything that I would normally do for prep. But yeah. Not really, to be honest with you. Is, is fight week a bit of an easier week on the it, body? Is it more like remediation and just weight cutting? It's a bit more of a taper week, so yeah. Okay, yeah. and yeah, and with the weight cutting, how are you going with that? Oh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty well on weights. So okay, I'm not awesome. too worried about my my what, cut in general. What is yeah. the class that you're fighting? Like the weight division? Was it light junior bantam or something? Uh, it's, it's I think it was it's bant- bantam weight. Yeah, yeah. fifty-five point three four. So I think it might be light bantam weight. Right. Or super point bantam. three four. That, that's yeah, important. it's very specific, <laughs> isn't it? I think that's from the conversion from oh, pounds from count- to kilos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes a little bit more sure. sense. Yeah. The not just being pedantic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah, taper week for our fighters this week. Obviously, last week we have what I call our power week. So that's where we peak in the fitness. It, it's a real mental push to get through. Um, and then once they hit fight week, we taper it off. The sessions are a bit lighter. Everything's a bit sharper. The, the time of the rounds comes down to what they're actually fighting. So, you know, we'll train sort of three to five minutes around. This week they come back down to two. So they'll feel super fit uh, and <laughs> super ready. And, yeah, it's just um, this week is all about recovery, getting their weight on track and making sure that their mentality is in the right space as well. So I tried to make sure that our fighters aren't cutting much weight at all. So as yeah, you, can you mentioned see, that before. Yeah, so yeah. as you can see, Penny's super relaxed. She's pretty much on weight because there's a lot of things going on. You look super on. healthy. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff to... Super relaxed. So much to think about in fight week and, you know, I want our fighters to get in there strong and fit and not dehydrated and depleted. So really trying to steer away from um, from the weight cutting these days. And, and what, what does the, the few days uh, after the fight look like? Is there a, a lot of eating going on there? Or yes. And will you take a break from the gym? Or like, what, what does it look like um, for most of your fighters, and and for you in particular, Penny? Depends on, I guess, how I pull up after. Yeah. <laughs> My last fight that I had, I was I was pretty good to go, so I trained the next day. That was oh. fine, but um. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but it depends on how. I, obviously, it's a long weekend, so I might have a couple of days just to hang out with friends and family. Definitely lots of eating. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, I haven't had to really cut that much. It's just. I guess making your diet a little bit more healthy and cleaner and 
yeah. no cupcakes or <laughs> <laughs> that's just coach that yeah. that. <laughs> do you have a, a meal planned for afterwards like a certain thing? um well last week it was my birthday so i didn't get to have a cake or anything but i really really want just like a crispy cream donut <laughs> <laughs> so i think i might just go and grab myself some donuts to like celebrate my belated birthday nice yeah. Put yeah. a candle in one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so when I lose, I'll be, I'll be enjoying some, some sweets too, I would say. Do you find, like, with um, the fighters that are, they've gone up to the camp, you know, they've gone through 12 weeks or maybe 16 weeks of preparation into the, the fight and then the fight happens and whatever the outcome may be, win or loss, but is there any sort of thing that, that happens after the fight in terms of, Hey, come back to the gym. We'll just discuss the the fight, or, or trying to keep tabs on where they're sitting in terms of um, you know, mental health, or in terms of um, keeping that rhythm or momentum going. That you've you've had sixteen weeks, and then you've had the fight, and then oh, that's done. And mm. Come back to training whenever you want. Like, yeah, we're we're pretty onto it. I mean, that's why I think a good fighter trainer relationship is really important, and knowing that everybody's needs are very different. Mm. Um, so, for example, you know, if you've got a, I have one particular fighter who lives away from all of her family, so she moved down to Adelaide to to be a fighter and train at our gym. So she doesn't get to see her family very often. So after this fight is done, I will give her two to three weeks off because she doesn't have anything lined up, you know, just so that she can go and see her family and take that time. Whereas, you know, a couple of the other ones who, for example, Penny, she thrives on routine. So it's very important that I keep her in that routine so you know all the fighters will get a few days off where they can do what they want spend their nights at the beach when Mm. they'd normally be in the gym um and then it's important to sort of ease back into that training and keep them active you know if they don't have anything lined up we'll definitely cut the training back so that you know they're consistent but it's a maintainable pace um but yeah every fighter is is really different some of them really do need that downtime to spend with family and, and do things that they haven't been able to do and then some of the others need to be straight back in the gym. Um, but one thing that I always um, try to get our fighters to do is that week after the fight they need to come in to, to at least one session and help out in the gym. So, you know, they might hold pads for a beginner, you know, really show their face and give back to the give back to the community. So even if their body's bruised and battered, you know, they still come in and, and do something positive in their week the club so yeah yeah but um so when we had carly on the podcast last time she shared with us some some of her inspirations naturally uh, your family a uh, huge um inspiration and to to i guess grow up around those people and in that environment was hugely beneficial for your early development uh, penny now you're you're entering the the upper echelons of the sport uh, who are those people that are in the sport and maybe outside of the sport that have inspired you to date and who are those people that you look up to Ooh, Out, probably, outside of Carly, yeah, <laughs> there's got to be others. The girls at the gym always do inspire me. Like, there's a couple of other girls in there that obviously are at the same sort of level, or if not higher, um, as well. And then I just always look at them, and they've got like families and work life and all the rest of it as well. So it's nice that they can do what they're doing as well as having kids or have this and that. So I always look towards them, and they always always achieving so much. Whereas my family uh, don't really have never come from a background of martial arts or boxing or anything like that. So I haven't had them to look look at in terms of the sport or yeah. anything like that. So I always look at, you know, who I'm around and who I have in my small circle and I don't really know much more other than, than the gym. Like Carly will mention a fighter 
like, oh, there's this person in the state. I have no idea who she's talking <laughs> about. Like, <laughs> I don't know any other fighters. I don't don't do a lot of research, to be honest with you. Not unless you know I'm told to do so, or you know, I just kind of so even in with my little bubble. Current current competitors and that type of thing, or what what else is going on? You you keep out of that. Yeah, I don't. I, I just don't. I have a really bad memory. So even if someone tells me something, I wouldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> this is why she's gonna be good. <laughs> she just gets in there and does what she's told. <laughs> it works. <laughs> like I, I, to be honest with you, because I've had that many different changes with my opponent for Pride, I can't really remember who's who and who I'm actually fighting. Like I know who I'm fighting, but because there's been lots of information for different fighters. I'm like, I think that's this person, but it could also be the person that I was meant to be fighting like three weeks ago. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've got the worst memory. I won't. <laughs> like, just put me in and I'll fight. Yeah, <laughs> just tell me what i got to do in the ring. Just yell it at me and I'll just try my best. That's <laughs> the best way to be. No yeah. overthinking, no social media stalking. Just yeah. I always you know, say to them, I'm like, I don't have to give you a name. Yeah. What, whatever you need to do in your training, you can guarantee that you'll be doing it. And it will come out on the night, so yeah, you don't need to. And, and need is that to do too much. is that a bit of a thing for some some fighters as they're getting close to to a fight? You know, they're trying to check out what's going on with their opponent. They get a little bit caught up in what they're saying, what they're doing, how regularly they're training, what they're eating, what they look like, all of that type of thing. Is that a is that a thing that you've got to be mindful of as a trainer? One hundred percent. Yeah, the social media stalk. They don't mm. fighters don't need to do it. Your trainers are all over it. If there's any red flags there. They're on it, and and social media is so hard to go by. You know, we always we post our best self on yes. social media, and you know, so you know your opponent might put up smashing one minute of a pad round. That might be the one minute they <laughs> did that day. You know, whereas you've done twenty five minutes worth of pads. So yeah, yeah, the social media stalk is definitely something that I wouldn't encourage any fighters to do. Your, your trainers are all over it. You don't. Yeah. You only need to know the information that you're given. Yeah, and, and Penny, are you much on social media anyway? Like, are you sharing much of your journey? Like, so uh, how does that work for your opponents? <laughs> There's a big nod there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on social media, but I'm not, I'm not promoting myself as a fighter, I would say, just more of a normal person. Like, I'll put up yep. a couple photos of me at training with the, with the girls or with the gym, but yep. I'm not, like, I guess, promoting myself as in, like, yep. oh, like, everything that I post is about you know, Muay Thai and about my fight, but I do post the little snippets here and there, but my account's on private, so I don't actually think anyone's going to yeah. be able to see it, but... And, and how do you deal with that, um, that one, you know, as you as you grow into the sport, you know, that expectation around your social media perhaps being a platform that elevates you, gets you bigger fights, more of a audience and that type of thing, like... Is there a bit of an internal battle that goes on about, you know, how much of my life do I actually share? How do I commercialise myself potentially? Like, how do you work your way through that little minefield? Oh, I'm a little bit lost, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. I, sometimes I'll post something and think, I wonder if Carly would think, oh, why'd you post that? <laughs> <laughs> but then I think she couldn't really care less. I think, so. <laughs> so I don't, I guess when, when I start looking at doing things like that, I might, but I just, just don't think that's the kind of person that I am to yeah. be really big on social media. Like, I don't think that I have that voice to be able to like just like talk about my training online and things like that. Like, I'll just yeah. get in the ring and people will see what I do and I'll be able to you know, show people what I can do in the ring. And I think that's what is more important than the social media side of things. And, you know, the cards that I'm on, the promotions that I'm on, they can promote the fight and people will see it from there. But I don't think people are really going to be coming onto 
my social media and being like, oh, like what, you know, so if they, Penny doing? Yeah. So if they, <laughs> they want to find out what Penny's doing, they can come along on Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. And, and see what's going show. on at the come co-main the event. Stream, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Pride Fight series. Yeah. <laughs> she's a bit of a secret weapon, you know, because yeah. she's not, not big on the social media. So I get really excited to... Uh, to uh, watch her fight, but a few trainers have said to me after they saw her fight last time, they said, oh, where did that come from? Jeez, <laughs> like, look at that. I said, yeah, she's a secret weapon. Yeah. Yeah. You wait that till the next one. could be the new nickname. Well. Yeah. 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 Go. Matt's going to have a nickname for you by the time you leave here. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Everyone up at the Arm Wrestling Club has a nickname now, so yeah. Yeah, thanks to Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think secret weapon is quite good. Oh, and sure. Supreme Commander. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. Yes. Actually, yeah. They're I not like bad. That. They're not, yeah, it's been a good I'm session. I'm going to trademark both of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great. What about um, I, I, with Carly before? She said best moment was cupcakes. <laughs> what about in in, top, in the ring? Um, have you had a moment where you're like, this is the best thing ever, or I you landed a combo or something, and it was like, oh, that was. You know, it gave you that real charge. <laughs> the time time slowed down for a moment. Yeah. You're able to collect oh. your thoughts in the moment. Carly likes to do a thing with fighters that she'll um, make a bet with you before you fight. <laughs> and if you can land a certain something that ever she tells you to do, then she'll give you 50 bucks. And oh, do you know what that is yet? <laughs> or not does this yet, get not the, yet. Yeah. special instructions? When, when, when no, Carly, calf kick. Calf kick. <laughs> <laughs> you really want that calf yeah, kick. Right. <laughs> it's normally, normally around, what I'd say, weigh-in, wouldn't it be? Or you're normally like, oh, if Yeah, you can, just if before. If just you can pull this off. These are special instructions yeah. that you <laughs> handed out. Yeah, so it's every, every fight is different, but I reckon my last fight, what was it? What was I supposed to do? Uh, oh, it's meant to be a sweep. It was a sweep. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd been away in Cairns training in a different gym because I was on holidays right before my last fight. So I'd been working with a different trainer and I came back like, oh, we learned all this stuff. And she's like, well, if you can pull it off, then <laughs> yeah. 50 bucks. So, 50 bucks. So I, I, I slept my opponent and I mid-fight turned around and looked at Carly like, did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just seeing dollar signs. She's <laughs> like, look at your Painted. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is a good moment. I remember one. There, <laughs> there has been a couple so of fight shows where I've sat there going, I hate that they can just nail it yeah. because <laughs> I forked out so much. Oh, <laughs> but it, it does add a bit of fun to it and, you know, it makes them in the ring. They might try and pull off something a little bit more specky. So yeah. why not? It's a bit of a game between us. Yeah. What's, it's what's good for the YouTube views. You, yeah. You'll get it back in revenue. It'll be fun. <laughs> oh, you highlights real then. Some of the ones that you've given out to people, like uh, certain techniques. You've, so you've got a sweep. Was there anything else? For uh, we've had spinning elbows. Oh. Yeah. Ah. So I, I won't dish something to someone if I know they can't pull it off. So if it's going to put them in danger. Right. But, you know, for example, one of my fighters, she nails that spinning elbow. So she has landed a couple <laughs> when I said that. Um, so, yeah, we've had sweeps. Um, we've had um, head kicks off a certain side that they've been training, you know, like a switch head kick or, um, you know, there's just been all sorts. But it's always something that that fighter has been working on so that, you know, they're not going out there and trying stupid things. <laughs> that would be really bad. Spinning fly kick. And spinning head kick. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, so we've got uh, the teep kick as a favourite technique and the body shot is the favourite over here as well. So, so keep an eye out for 
lots of body shots come Saturday night, hey? Yeah, I'm going to try them out a bit, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll play a bit of a game. Every time she smiles in the ring, you've got to do ten push-ups. Uh, I've got to do You will <laughs> not stop doing push-ups. <laughs> I won't be able to fit the jacket on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. So, with the ring announcing, you're excited. This is this, You've done it before, haven't you, a couple of times. Mm. This should be a... Uh, is it the first time with Muay Thai, though? First time with Muay Thai, yeah, absolutely. So... Um, um, it, it, it's uh, super exciting for one, um, but two, just so many fights, like such a huge card, a stacked card. You know, it'd be really rare to come across a card that's that that's uh, so so deep um, and uh, and with so much talent. So um, it's uh, certainly something I, I'm, I've been looking forward to for well for months now. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes, like everybody, I Fourth think. Fourth time lucky. Fourth time lucky. Is your yeah. last name Buffer by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I do have two brothers who have that last same right. last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's strange. Mum never mentioned mom. it. Yeah, <laughs> these guys are hanging around. <laughs> and there was a certain phrase that has to be said for the fight to be official. Is that correct for under Muay Thai? Yeah. Are there any other little rituals, or little things that happen specific in Muay Thai that you won't find anywhere else? Yes. Uh, so obviously while the fight is going, we play traditional Thai music. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not just silent, which is something that I really love. So now when I go to other fights, I'm like, oh, there's oh. no noise. What's going uh, on? Yeah. I might play some music. Yeah, um, yeah. So that, that's obviously a very distinct thing about the sport is the Thai music. Yeah. Um, another thing is that fighters wear a traditional headpiece, which is called a Mong Kong. Um, so that is what people say looks like a tennis racket around the head. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, yep. yeah, so traditional headpiece that's usually... You just don't say it to their face. That's <laughs> no, no that's, that's what people that aren't in the sport say, but yeah. it does describe it perfectly. So, um, so, yeah, the Mong Kong is usually something that um, the club has, so it, it's been through a lot of fights. So it's quite a, a very traditional and, and significant piece of a club's history. Yeah. Um, fighters might have their own that have been made in Thailand and, and blessed by a monk and given to them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's very cool. Um, we have a female one at the gym and then we have a male one at the gym as well that we use and some of our fighters have their own that they've that they've picked up in their travels around the world um training yeah. and then once and, and they so an athlete would get that is bestowed on them is it by, by some yeah sometimes they can they can have one made specifically for them in particular colors and have specific amulets added to it um yeah. so it's, it's quite a special thing um yeah, so our, our fighters will wear our club ones that we've got. Yeah. And then very special as well, my direct fighters that I train, they actually wear my headpiece that I oh. wore as a fighter. So wow. that's very special for me to let them let them wear that. Um, and then, yeah, another thing about Muay Thai is obviously they walk to the ring, they do what we call a waikru, which is the traditional sealing of the ring to keep the bad spirits out and keep health and safety inside. Yeah. Um, so all fighters on my promotion have to perform that. Mm -hmm. And then further from that, later down in the card, you'll notice a few of the um, up-and-coming fighters will perf perform a ramoy, which is what Penny will be doing for the first time. Ah. So that is a traditional dance, um, again, further to sealing the ring, but... It's also um, sort of a, a prayer to, you know, to the higher powers to, for, for safety, um, to show respect to your club and your trainers and your fellow fighters. So it is quite a special thing in, in a fighter's journey when they start to perform that ramoy as well. Wow. Is that with the, the kneeling in the middle and with the, the rolling of the wrist sort of thing? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. So any, you know, traditional tie thing you'll see, it's often the photos or the silhouettes are in the pose of, of someone performing the ramoy. So, yeah. And each each club and trainer and fighter might have their own individual ramoy that they do. So, um, yeah, it's kind of passed down. 
Yeah. And they go to each corner and do a, a, a certain move in as well, is that right? Yes, they do, yeah. So that in the ceiling of the ring, they visit each corner um, and then the ramoy, like I said, everyone's different, so they might revisit the corners or they might stay in the centre. Um, the particular one that uh, my fighters will be doing, they actually just stay in their own corner. So, okay. yep. yeah. so Muay Thai in its modern form, how, how long has that been around? Oh, a very long time. <laughs> yes. in, in a ring and, and, and in in the sport and the way that we see it now. Yeah, oh, God, it's been around for such a long time. Obviously, it just hasn't been mainstream until sort of recent-ish years. Um, yep. But, yeah, back in the days, if you've ever watched any, you know, real old martial arts films, you know, they used to tie oh, their damn. wrists in the ropes and dip it in honey and then the glass and, you know, that's Muay Thai back. That's old school. Back when, yeah. I, f- I feel like I'm too young. I'm, I'm, that's yeah, I feel that's like, like when I'm you were three or four, that's what you're up to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my favourite part of yeah. fighting. <laughs> it's so funny. Actually, I am not even kidding. You have people come into the gym and ask if it's a thing. Wow. I have had it twice now where people have asked, you know, do you do yeah, the, the, the dip and the the class i'm like wow you've been watching way too many movies yeah. i was like we don't kick bamboo trees either that's <laughs> the oh, van damme the uh, yeah. Movie, yeah. <laughs> you can imagine my face when people have asked me that and i'm like Put some gloves on. Pop culture, or maybe even 1980s culture, was really good for martial arts, but it was also really bad for martial arts. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's like with our sport, with arm wrestling. You know, it's the Stallone movie, Over the Top, is everybody's reference point, and it's like it's not like that. It's not like that, but it kind of is, and it's cool. (laughs) It's very good. But yeah, yeah, there is like a certain movie that is like you know, people attribute this this movie is what this sport is. And it's yeah, like I find uh, Never Back Down gets right. brought up a oh, lot. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes, not really like that. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, did you see the Hot Shots version of the Muay Thai with the gloves? Uh, do you remember that movie, Hot Shots? With no. The, oh, man, it's, I'm showing my age. <laughs> <slightly>. <laughs> but it, they had a, a, um, a takeoff version of that and the guy, like, you know, dips his hands into um, like chocolate syrup, and then, <laughs> and then he's trying to decide between the different uh, lollies. coatings. <laughs> and the crowd is going, "Gummy bears, gummy bears." Oh, this and sounds like my sort of move. Somebody <laughs> on the other side is going, "Fruit tingles, fruit tingles." <laughs> 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 I love it. I love it. It's because you know it was that takeoff of you know the Van Dam thing where he's gone with that, and then the glass. And yes. obviously they've gone with um, snacks. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds way better. Yeah. What are we just, fighting? In just an option. For? Just an option for Saturday night. You know, just a, just a thing. You we know? can make that happen. Slot it in around fight fifteen. Just see if it. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I was yeah, I, a movie reference in somewhere that no one else knows what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm going to go and watch You'll that now. It. And, and Hot Shots two. Okay, all right. Make sure you Otherwise, you watch one and go. He's an idiot. This is the wrong movie. No, it's Charlie Sheen. Uh, I'll definitely best. have a look. Yeah, he actually got in good shape for that movie. Mm. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a key point. Yeah, no. he, I think he really actually did. Like he, he built some good shoulders and like a big chest, and he was quite defined. Like, and he had a tan and everything. It was that Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Well, wow. yeah. Okay. For, for the film, and like it, the first scene is that scene. It's so you only have to watch ten minutes of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Easy homework. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, he was in really good shape. I was like, wow, this is surprising. You know, for I mean, you would think Charlie Sheen's pretty 
average-looking guy, but um, it's always good when you can see an actor has put in some some real some effort, effort, and it's yeah. like, wow, okay, cool. So yeah, it's nothing related to what we're talking about whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what do you think about Charlie? Sheen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> my favorite. But have you seen that? Hot Shots 2. No, oh my not. god. Uh, how old are you? Seven. How old are you now? I'm 23. Okay, all right. No, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why when people ask me about the history, I'm like, oh, wow, I feel way too young to be talking about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, it's always weird for me. Like, I'm 39, but when I talk to people at work, you know, the, like I'm working at a gym, so it's like the majority of people, you know, 18, 25 sort of thing, and that um, demographic just has no idea what I'm talking about most <laughs> of the time. And I'm like, how do you not know these things? Like, mm. I'll talk about, like, saying the They haven't been alive long enough. Yeah, no, that's, what, that's yeah. what's weird to me. It's like, it's so strange, <laughs> because I'm talking to them like they know what I'm talking about, and they're like, uh, what? Like, yeah. I'll, I'll talk about, like, say, the nightclubs at Marion, and they're like, there's nightclubs at Marion? I'm um, uh, like, yes, they were awesome. <laughs> I feel like that's us, that's us. Like, why would you yeah. go to Marion like, to a nightclub? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you not know that? <laughs> oh, my <Yeah>. God. <laughs> Killing me here. My pride days, my pride days were in that arena. <laughs> and then I tell people and they're like, they don't even have a clue. It's a, four nightclubs there was at wow. Marion Shopping Centre. And yeah, it was good. Yeah, right. <laughs> what, in, in the shopping centre? Yeah. Room? Are you from South? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah nah, not our time. You've never heard of it. You've never heard of it. Times moved on. All those things moved memories. On. Yeah. Lost. Like they're just memories. Tears they're just in the rain. Mm. No one you don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're really lucky that we get to edit this later. So <laughs> there'll be like a blank space here. <laughs> you talking about your gummy bears. That's right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Marion nightclubs. Yeah, you get even excited though. That's the thing. I get on these points and I'm like, oh, and this and that. And yeah, yeah don't start me on arm wrestling because I'll start. Yeah. <laughs> it's like people at the gym are trying to leave and I'm like still calling after them like no but then you gotta see the thing and I've literally got and an they've signed up with any time like 15 minutes later yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally got an arm wrestling table in my car and I'm, um, I've been arm wrestling people in the car park at like 3 in the morning so because I do the night shift there so yeah it's wow like, that's commitment I'll, I'll tell them about it they sound slightly interested and then I will demand they come out and arm wrestle <laughs> wow Imagine if I did that in my gym car park. Like just, yeah. I just keep a spare set of gloves. I'm like, all right, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the car park, you and me. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a pair so. for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're your size. How strange. <laughs> I was ready. How strange. <laughs> you look in the boot and it's just like all the sizes. <laughs> <laughs> and like shards of glass. And yeah. <laughs> gummy bears. The gummy bears. Sprinkles. Sprinkles. <laughs> Oh, so well, big night coming up Saturday night. <laughs> Saturday night's going to be huge. Um, so um, I, we we did talk about it a little bit before, but unfortunately, if you've left it this late, the chances are you're not going to get in. There's a waiting list. There's about seventy or so people there waiting patiently for somebody to die or something very bad to happen <laughs> to maybe a hundred people, that, that so that they can get tickets for this. But if yes. people did want to register for this event and maybe get their name down for the next one, uh, where can they go to in order to find out about ticket availability for this event and 
forthcoming events? They can jump on the Pride Facebook page or Instagram page or even the website and just send send me a message and um, I can help you out from there. But, yeah, all the information will be on the Facebook page, including the live stream link. So um, just because you don't have a ticket doesn't mean you can't get behind local combat sports and our local fighters. You can still... Uh, stream right from the couch, from the comfort of your own home, and watch some epic fights. Fantastic. So, um, well, wish you all the very best of luck come Saturday night, and um, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to hearing about all of the stories from the Pride Fight Series event in the coming weeks. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Uh, absolute thank pleasure. You. Thanks awesome. for coming in, ladies. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to the Daily Combat Podcast. If you would like further information about today's guest, Carly Gangel, you can check out her fighting promotion website, pridefightseries.com.au. Special thanks also go out to our main sponsor, Real Estate Agents Group. This company is growing to become one of South Australia's largest independent real estate groups. The board of directors with over 100 years of collective real estate industry experience. Real is for real people, by real people. Check them out on Facebook under Real Estate Agents Group or visit their website, urbanandruralsales.com.au. The Daily Combat Podcast is proudly brought to you by Dave Stockbridge, Isabella Rossitano, and Hollywood Matt Connolly. Make sure to give us a five-star review as this helps us to continue to promote combat sports in Australia and around the world. You can find out more information about the podcast at dailycombatnews.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms with full video episodes available on YouTube. Just search The Daily Combat Podcast. Thank you again for listening from all of us here at the Daily Combat Podcast team.